Gracias. Yo soy Arnoldo Treviño, está mi esposa aquí, mi hijo, mis sobrinas y Kevin. Le doy gracias a Dios por estar con ustedes en esta mañana. No predico tan bonito como Bill, pero voy a intentarlo. Hay una escritura, scripture. Eh, en Hechos de los Apóstoles en the book of Acts for the Apostles que debería de, de hacernos uh, así como explotar o temblar that this scripture should make us explode y dice and it says there los que están transformando este mundo ya llegaron aquí those that are transforming our world have arrived y se refería a algunos personajes que it was in reference to some of the people estaban llegando a ciertas ciudades that they were riding a certain cities en aquellos tiempos times, de la iglesia primitiva uh, when the church was just getting started in the primitive church los que transforman al mundo han llegado aquí and those that have that transformed the world have arrived they're here no es fácil transformar este mundo and you know it's not easy to transform this world yo creo que es lo más difícil It's part of the most difficult thing to do. Sin embargo, unas cuatro o cinco personas, but four or five people, en aquel tiempo, in those days, se les apodaba diciéndoles que eran los que estaban transformando este mundo. And so those people that back then had received the nickname of those the, tra the transformers. So when one person is trying to transform this world, deberíamos de investigar. We should investigate. ¿Qué es lo que está haciendo? What is that person doing? ¿Cuáles son las cualidades que tiene para poder transformar este mundo? What are the qualities that this person possesses so that he can do such? Entonces nos imaginamos a personas con mucho estudio. So we sometimes imagine people with lots of study. Nos imaginamos a personas muy perfectas. And we imagine a, a perfect people. Nos imaginamos a personas que todo les sale bien. And we imagine there were people that everything they did always turned out right. Nos imaginamos a personas que uh, tienen, nunca tienen problemas en sus casas. And we imagine there would be people that never have problems at home. Nos imaginamos a padres perfectos. And we imagine perfect parents. Nos imaginamos a hijos perfectos. And also children that are perfect. Nos, nos imaginamos a gente que nunca ha pecado. And we imagine hey. people that never, ever sin. Esas son las personas que transforman este mundo. Those must be the people that are transforming the world. No sé si son buenas o malas noticias. I, I don't know if these are good or Pero eso no is. es cierto. But that's not true. Ellos no transforman este mundo. But you know what? Those people are not transforming the world. Les voy a leer. I'm going to read to you. Un poco. Uh, I'm read to you. A little bit. De la persona de la cual estaban hablando. Uh, of the person that they're speaking of. Que era una persona que estaba transformando este mundo. <coughs> one of the persons that was transforming this world. Saulo pasó varios días con los discípulos que estaban en Damasco. And Saul spent several days with the disciples that were in Damascus. Y enseguida se dedicó a predicar en las sinagogas. And then he was preaching in the synagogues. Acts 9. 
eh, eh, no, 9, perdón, capítulo 9, versículo 20. Enseguida se dedicó a predicar en las sinagogas <coughs> afirmando que Jesús es el Hijo de Dios. ¿Qué verso? 20. 20. 20. 20. Okay. So when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples who uh, raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name. No ha venido aquí para llevarse los presos y entregarlos a los jefes de los sacerdotes. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? La persona que estaba transformando el mundo antiguo, the person that transforming the, the old world, era Pablo. It was Saul, Paul. Nada perfecto. Not a perfect guy. Nada eh, eh, sin pecado. Not a person without sin. De hecho, la escritura dice, oh. in fact, the, the word God says, que era un hombre that he was a man que respiraba la muerte. That, that really was breathing death Respiraba odio. he was uh, in, in hatred él veía a alguien que creía en Jesucristo because when he saw someone who believed in Christ y deseaba matarlo he desired deseaba llevarlo a la cárcel and to take him to prison Llevaba, quería destruir a esa gente and he wanted to destroy those that believed in Christ este hombre traía problemas so this, this, this man had problems pero dice la escritura But the Bible also said, que un día that one day, este hombre iba uh, con todas esas uh, dificultades en su mente con mucha intención de matar a gente que creía en Dios Dice que de repente tuvo un encuentro con una luz en el camino. Y cayó al suelo. Y en el suelo no solamente eh, estaba tirado, sino que con la luz quedó ciego. Yo no sé cuántos de nosotros estamos ahorita en el suelo y ciegos. Pero parece que es el mejor lugar y el mejor momento en el que tú puedas escuchar de Dios. Porque en ese momento el apóstol Pablo le dijo Dios, ¿qué quieres que yo haga? Y entonces este hombre, después de esa historia negativa, después de ser un hombre de muchos problemas internos, se convirtió en un transformador de este mundo. Entonces, yo hago una pregunta. ¿Puedes tú transformar tu mundo? Can you transform your world? Puedes cambiar la historia de tu vida? Can you change the history, the story of your life? Les quiero solamente hacer una o dos preguntas. So I just want to ask one or two questions. Y luego después les quiero hacer un reto. And then I want to challenge you. Cuando yo estoy predicando en la iglesia, when I'm preaching in my church, me causa mucha depresión. And sometimes I get depressed. Cuando pregunto, When I ask, ¿quién está leyendo la Biblia? Who's reading, who's reading the Bible? 
Ya mejor no espero ninguna respuesta. O ya mejor ni pregunto. ¿Por qué? Casi nadie está leyendo la Biblia. No quiero hacer esa pregunta aquí. Pero te la estoy haciendo. ¿Estamos leyendo la Biblia? Y la respuesta sería, más o menos. Poquito. Casi nada. Bueno, y si leen mucho la Biblia. Bill reads the Bible a lot. Entonces dejemos que Bill transforme este mundo. So maybe we should just let Bill transform this world. Y echémosle toda la carga a Bill. And maybe Bill should carry all the weight. Pero no son los que leen la Biblia todos los días. But not only those that read the Bible every day. Los que van a cambiar este mundo. Uh, those that are going to change the world. Yo les voy a decir quiénes pueden cambiar este mundo. But I want to tell you who can change this world. No los que leen la Biblia. Not those that read the Bible sino los que hacen la Biblia. But those that do what the Bible says. Yo te invito en esta mañana so I invite you this a que no leas la Biblia. Uh, just read the Bible. Te invito a que seas hacedor de la Biblia. Es muy probable que hace Cinco meses leíste algo en la Biblia. Maybe five months ago you read a, a y ahí decía and, and you read something similar que si tú oras por un enfermo, este es sanado. Posiblemente hace dos meses escuchaste a Bill decir maybe two months ago you heard Bill say que eh, el amor transforma a las personas. That love transforms people. Es muy probable que hace un mes Viste que si alguien está muy deprimido y tiene un encuentro con el Señor, él puede ser diferente. Maybe a month ago you saw someone who was uh, in depression and he had an encounter with God and all of a sudden he now, you know, is full of love. And con eso poco que tenemos, podemos cambiar este mundo. We can change this world. Porque el mundo va a ser cambiado Because the world is going to be changed por personas by people. que crean en la palabra de Dios in God's word. si solamente crees eh, que los enfermos son sanados mira a un enfermo healed. y sánalo si crees que Dios puede liberarte de tus problemas créelo también para tu vecino y cuando tu vecino esté en problemas Ora por él. And when your neighbor has problems, y entonces, esa misma luz que transformó a un asesino en un transformador de vidas, porque eso era lo que era el apóstol Pablo, era un asesino de personas, era un golpeador de personas. Pero el Espíritu de Dios lo tomó, cambió su vida, y eso era lo que él hacía. Ir a cambiar vidas con lo que Dios había hecho en su vida. Los que sabían mucha Biblia, mataron al Cristo. Pero los que no sabían mucha Biblia transformaron este mundo. Yo te invito que transformes este mundo y que le digas a las personas 
lo que Dios ha hecho contigo. What God has done in your life. Con eso tienes. That's all you need. No más. That's all Dile you need. a las personas Tell people lo que Dios ha hecho contigo. God has done with you. Y ellos entenderán. And they will understand. Dios los bendiga. God bless you. I told you you would get two sermons. But I am, I am mindful of our time. <coughs> and we are continuing in the series that we've been working in. Last week, we were looking at the mystery of priorities. Uh, this week, we're going to continue in that vein about ask, seek, and knock. I wanted to begin last week by really looking at being offended by God and doubting God. <coughs> Because I think more of us doubt, more of us are offended, more of us struggle with some aspect of God than we, than we actually admit or think about. Jesus is aware of that. <clears throat> And his, his, his words to us are, seek me. And you will find me. I, I find something interesting that you often see in the music, the worship music that we sing. When we talk about sacrificing to do something for God, do we ever realize that God's agenda is never contrary to our best. God's agenda is never contrary to what is best for our lives. So there's no sacrifice I'm going to make that makes me come up short so God can win. God is not looking for people to abuse. For many of us, we think, wow, to follow God, I have to give up my dreams. To chase the girl I want to chase, I have to decide between God or the girl. I don't want to give up the girl. And I feel like God has put me in a place where I have to choose between him and me. So I have to lose so God can win. That is a lie. And we struggle with that lie. Jesus says, trust me, seek me, you will find me.
So my language last week, I asked, have you ever been mad at God? Has the Bible ever seemed too difficult? Do you have reservations about the Bible? Have you ever found God's word to be judgmental or offensive? Do you have doubts? Then that puts you in a really good place if any of those are true about you. So the question becomes, can that list in some way be true in your life and you still follow Jesus? Can you follow him when you have more questions than answers? And I think what we see in the New Testament is overwhelmingly the people that followed Jesus were exactly that list. They had confusion. They had doubts. They were creeped out. Weirded out. Stranged out. Work with me. You got to do that to your translator at least once, you know? So last week, and we're, we're just going to look at these. We're not going to study them. Last week, we looked at offensive moments. We looked at Mark chapter 7, verse 25, about this woman whose, whose daughter was possessed by an impure spirit. He was, she was not a Jew. She was a Greek-born Phoenician, or Syri a Greek. She was Greek. She was born a Syrian Phoenician. Excuse me. And she came to Jesus to heal her daughter, who was demon-possessed. We'll finish that story in a second. For also people who were seeking that Jesus would again do the miracle of providing bread. And Jesus sees this as an opportunity to mentor these followers. So Jesus answered, John 6, 26. Very truly I say to you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate bread and you were filled up. So here's his counsel. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that endures for eternal life. So they respond, okay, so what do we need to do? What's required for us to please God? Entonces, 
Jesus says, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. Believe in me. Look at me. Stop with the bread. So he takes it one step further. He said, all right, here it is. I am the bread of life. So he says, you have to eat my body and drink my blood if you're going to live. That is kind of creepy right there, isn't it? Now, last week when I shared that, we were people after to talk to me said, I was uncomfortable with that. They were uncomfortable with that. And you see, he actually keeps repeating it. You have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. You know, people are going, whoa. That's freaky. So it says the Jews began to grumble. Because he said, now I want you to hear. I know what you were weirded out about. Same thing I am. The blood, the, the body stuff. But look at what they really were offended by. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. We know your parents, man. We know your street, your address. We know you're not from heaven. You see, they could not trust that he was sent by God. So they can't follow. You can't follow. Because you're going to have to believe that Jesus is the way. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said it was hard teaching. Who can accept it? From that time on, many disciples turned their back and no longer followed. And you see, all of us tend to have these places where we draw a line. And beyond that point, we struggle to follow. Some people walk away. Others just kind of move into a passive role. Go to church on holidays. Whenever it's convenient. We'll skip the next slide. Back to Our Lady. Mark 7. I want you to see this. In verse 25, as soon as she heard about him, Jesus, 
The woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. Wow. She's a foreigner. He translated that very well, didn't he? He, he, he could say it backwards. Sorry. This is a serious part, all right? So we got we to... <sighs> there, got it now. So it says that this woman bowed down. She went to her knees. She was there for her daughter. She believed he could do it. So here's this foreigner pushing through here's this lady who's really not part of the tribe but she's seeking she's asking she's knocking she's there she is in pursuit of Jesus what does Jesus say? Anyone who seeks me will find me. So she asked him, Jesus, heal uh, my daughter. Go to Jesus' response is really offensive. Go to the next slide. She knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He said, it's, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Well, there's a great moment to be offended. Wow. The God of love just called the lady on her knees a dog. It offends me. I don't think he should be calling anybody a dog. Her answer, yes, Lord, it is. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, we might look at this as a culture issue. Bigotry. Arrogance. But here's how Jesus sees it. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. You see, it's in these moments that we fail to see that Jesus has three years 
to raise up disciples that can do what he does. This was not about talking down to this lady. This was about proof that anybody who seeks me will find me. This is about if you will put the pursuit of Jesus before your pride. In front of your doubts. In front of your preguntas, your questions, sorry. If you will put you're seeking in front of those things. You see, we have those things. The disciples had those things. That's a hard teaching. The blood and, and, and body, that's a hard teaching, Jesus. Peter was not comfortable with that teaching. He said, where else are we going to go? You're the truth. You see, the, the disciples and the Pharisees and the religious people were all watching, and he demonstrated the faith of this woman. She will succeed where you will not. Because her questions, her pride, did not become a stumbling block. This was teaching about faith. Jesus provides these powerful lessons. If you can't follow in the mystery, you can't follow. If you can't follow with questions, you can't follow. And if you can't follow with doubts, you can't follow. You see, Jesus considered this utmost important. And, and the disciples, as you read in the scripture, were never completely comfortable with this. We, we, we often, I think, if we ponder the disciples at all, we think, wow, they had it great. They were walking with Jesus. I mean, he, he can always pull off the deal. There's always amazing things going on. But, but what you see also 
is some real discomfort. You see, Jesus never lowered their bar for them. I mean, all the time, they were, they were like, do you know what he meant by that? No, I, I don't know, man. Well, ask him. I don't want to ask him. You ask him. He'll talk about how my faith is nothing. Well, let's get John to ask him. He really loves John more. Where is John? He, he won't ask either. They're af they, were, they were afraid to ask sometimes. It's because when they asked, he, he would often tell them, Really? That's still the question here? You see, Jesus draws us. He says, this is where you need to be. It's not about judging you. It's not about mocking you and I. For Jesus, he's saying, in a year and a half, I'm not going to be here. Jesus wasn't a famous evangelist that was collecting minions to carry his luggage. I knew that would get him too. He was, he was preparing and developing people who would replace him. You see, it was of utmost importance for them to grow. To become the people of God that can be who he is. Do what he does. That was the bar. You see, Jesus was saying, in a short period of time, you're going to need to be doing what I'm doing. So they learned all the time. Jesus was always putting them against this standard. And often it made them uncomfortable. I wonder how many of them kind of walked away after a while. You know, when, the, when they were in the boat and they were crossing the water in the big storm and they were saying, hey, don't you care? We're all about to drown. Matthew 8, 26. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. You see, that moment was not about the wind and the waves. It was not about going somewhere in the boat. 
You have got to get under, used to the idea that in these moments, you can't be afraid. You have got to trust and believe in what I'm doing. Matthew 6.30. They were worried about the stuff they were going to, the food and the things like this. And he says, If that's how God closed the grass, Close the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow. It's thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And he's saying, hey, I want you to realize. Hear what you're saying. See where you're at. You're here. I'm calling you up here. Every day, he's calling them up here. I mean, do you know how many times they heard about their faith was not where it needed to be? I'm sure they go, oh, my God. And that's, why, why do you want to ask another question? You see, Jesus is preparing a people. Last week, I shared about the bread. They thought they were in trouble because they forgot to bring the bread. Matthew 16, 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked. You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? He kept challenging them on their faith. Where's your faith? You know, that's a word that really means... You need to trust me for this level that we're talking about. You have to have enough confidence in me that you can act upon this moment in a way that demonstrates you get it. Here's another word Jesus would use. Matthew 15, verses 15 through 18. 15. 15 through 18. Peter says, explain the parable to us. And Jesus says, are you still so dull? John, did he just call me dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body? He teaches them about the parable. 
Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, that was the story where they were on the lake and Jesus passes them up walking on the water at night. Verse 25, Matthew chapter 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. There's that fear again. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on. I love this line. How many of us would say that? it's really you out there call me out there to be with you you see I think Jesus loved that he's starting to believe and he's starting to get that sense I can follow Jesus even across the water in that moment, he said something really crazy, didn't he? If it's you, call me out on the water. Come on. You see, that faith is beginning to move. Seek me, you will find me. Ask, and it will be granted. Call me on the water. Come. Ask. I want to go with you, Jesus. Well, come on. All you got to do is walk on water. Come on out. It's great. But see, the lesson isn't over there, is it? Where did these giant waves come from all of a sudden? The wind. He gets out. He's wild water. Cool. I'm doing it. I'm full of faith. I'm going to make this part up. Yeah, you're doing good. Come on. Why don't we push to fail? Why don't we throw up some big wind and waves? Your faith is growing. Let's keep it going. Let's see how far you will go 
tan, qué tanto vas, te vas a ir, qué tanto va a crecer tu fe, hasta dónde llega tu fe. Now the wind and the waves, they come up. Nothing's changed. We're still following Jesus. But now he's been distracted. And now he's afraid again. And he cries out. Lord, Save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he says, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? You had it. Was he disappointed in Peter? I think he was incredibly proud of Peter. He's starting to believe. He's starting to believe that he can follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes. Jesus got his hand as he was sinking. They're in the waves. They're in the wind. It's still crazy intimidating out there. They climb into the boat. And everything was calm. It was all about growing. What do you seek? What do you ask for? Often we misuse those, those terms, I think. Often we're seeking God's will. But, that, but that's really, I'm seeking what I'm supposed to do. I can do this or this, God. Which one do I do? But I think seeking God is about seeking the experience, the faith, the bar. I seek the growth. That's what it means to seek and to follow him. I want you to develop me, Jesus. I want you to point out where my faith is struggling. I want to get out of the boat. Maybe we spend way too much time in the boat. 
And we can't follow Jesus without getting out of the boat. And what Jesus is saying, take a step. We'll push till you fail. We'll raise you up. And we'll push till you fail. We'll raise you up. Arnaldo was right. These people who walk with Jesus, they're world changers. The rest of us are sitting in boats. We're waiting for the right wind. A better current. We're praying for better sunscreen. We're praying for a lot of things. We're seeking God for all these things, the bread and all the things. He says, if you will seek the excellence that I bring in your life, you'll be a world changer. My conviction is Peter, John, Paul, those guys, on their deathbed, I bet they didn't say, man, I wish I'd have spent more time on the beach. You know, I, I never did have a Tesla. I, I never did have a lot of those things. I have some regrets. They were world changers. But they were willing to be mentored by someone who would never lower the bar to make them feel better. He can take you with your doubts, with your questions, with your mysteries, but he won't lower the bar for you because this is where you need to be. He's telling you and I the truth. If you would stand.